You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Well, hi there. It's Mark Lloyd from Lunch with Lloyd. So glad you could make it along for this podcast as we had a fantastic conversation about our favourite teachers, teachers that really inspired us in our younger years. And you'll be amazed at some of the stories that our listeners came up with. We also jetted off to Mauritius ahead of a fantastic competition happening on Lunch with Lloyd next week. And we explored that paradise island. Guess what? Global Village, they're going to be opening for the 20th. 26th season on the 26th of October. So we got a sneak peek as to what we can expect this year. And also International Memoir Day. We spoke to a lady, an Emirati lady, who's written her very own memoir. She told us all about it. Do enjoy it and don't forget I'll be back live with you weekdays 11 through 2 only on Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8. We're talking about our favourite teachers today as uh, several of the shows have been doing i want to get my listeners and um, thoughts on their favorite teachers and uh, why they kind of stood out for them what's uh, punam would your answer be to that so i had some very kind teachers growing up but i can't remember all of them but when i was at um doing a levels i did really bad in my a levels the first time around okay. and maths was my worst and i was very depressed i remember yeah. so my parents put me in a school where you go for a year and you retake all your a levels again so it's more intensive yeah and i had a teacher and I went in there thinking I'm really stupid I don't know how to do maths this teacher was so down to earth so humble he made maths so simple and fun that when I'd finished my class and school I'd go home and do A-level maths for fun for fun. <laughs> to, for fun. To the point, I thought, this is what I want to do with my life. That's yeah. how powerful this teacher was for me. Yeah. Um, mine would be a lady called Mrs. Blacker, who uh, was our English teacher. The only subjects that I did any good at all were English and uh, and arts, and that, that was just about it. But uh, anyway, Mrs. Blacker once, she used to get us up reading in class. Yeah. You know, right, it's your turn, it's your turn, it's your turn, and you have to read a couple of paragraphs from a book. And she once pulled me over and said, one day, young man, you are going to be... Have a job using your voice. That, you know, that is amazing. <laughs> I know. I te- was only about 12. But teachers don't realise how they can really pave the way for any student. They've got to be so careful with their words. I know. So, guys, uh, yeah, favourite teachers is what we're up to today. Tell us who they are. Tell us why they were your favourites as well. How they inspired you to become the person that you are. Thank you, Karen, for your message about your <laughs> teacher, yeah? She's saying, where can I get in touch with uh, Poonam's uh, math? teacher. <laughs> well, it was a long time ago now, Karen. I don't, I don't know where he is, bless him. He's from Birmingham. But uh, yeah, the, the teachers make a difference, I have to say. They certainly do. Um, we're going to go to the telephone lines where Elisa joins us. Good morning, Elisa. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Mark? Great to have you on the show, as always. Now, you've got a fair old story. So uh, talk us through um, your most inspiring teacher. And uh, I believe uh, you went to study in Paris after growing up in Dubai. Yeah, um, I grew up in Dubai, so I've been here since I was four. And then as soon as I turned 18, I'm like, bye, leaving, (laughs) not coming back. Okay. (laughs) Um, and then I went to Paris, studied there, and worked there for six years. And I guess my most inspiring teacher over there was Julie Thomas. Um, she's done research on color. She's done research on, like, the psychology of color. And she just made classes a lot more interesting. And she grew up in the 70s. Okay. So she, was, she had a bit of a hippie vibe, always a poncho <laughs> there. Like a couple of stone um, necklaces and so on. Yeah. But I think she inspired me because she always used to bring things that that had nothing to do with the class. So she would show us YouTube videos of these debates or she would take us to um, museums where we'd look at the history of the color red. For example. Wow. Sounds really off the wall. A brilliant teacher. I mean, did it rub off on you, the hippie lifestyle and the hippie fashion? Definitely. I'm definitely a flower child. <laughs> so what like, so, I sometimes wish I would have grew up grown up in the seventies. Oh yeah. well, Mark, well did. Mark did. Mark did. And you would have turned out like Kimberly, so you sure about that? Yeah, he's, got, he's still got the <laughs> yes, flat trousers and yes. flowery shirts I, I, to prove it, I'll tell like, you. I live I live for music. I wear flowers in my hair. 
Oh, no. You, she really that. did inspire you. Yeah, they and write songs about that. You also mentioned that you sat in French cafes and you had intense conversations. What's something yeah. that really stayed in you that, about a conversation that you learned with her? Um, I think, you know, I was going through family troubles at the time, so it was nice to have someone to share your stories with. Mm. And ironically, it was my teacher. Mm. Um, so... Before class or after class, we used to sit in those typical people-watching French cafes. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So she kind of became your best friend. She did. Um, she was really, she really liked my paper on, um, like, my final research paper was on Alice in Wonderland, which is who I was named after. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you sound co- interesting colors. to me, Elise. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think I can talk with like, both of you for hours. <laughs> we'll have to arrange that uh, drinking cafe, a little a cafe yeah, in Paris. Yeah, a little cafe in Paris would, would be rather nice. <laughs> the uh, three of us. I mean, are you still you in touch? People watch. Are you still in touch with your, your former teacher? Yeah. I sent her emails. She actually shipped over a stack of books for me oh, as wow. well. Like when I was doing... Um, uh, I was doing some research for a project, and she just sent over like ten, fifteen books on the his um, everything to do with color and fashion. Wow! And and did you kind of go into that line of work? Are you kind of in, involved in fashion? Um, no, I am. I am a jack of all trades. Okay. <laughs> so, what trade I mean, are you doing I, right now? <laughs> You're a jack I'm of all. A marketing, PR strategy manager sort of okay but i've done everything from from being um a roadie for ma- male bands <laughs> i bet that was fun that was, a, that was a music journalist for six years across europe wow, wow. so i've done on, i've worked on both ends well alisa it's been a great conversation keep putting those flowers in your hair teachers that have inspired you over the years we got odilon joining us on the show how are you today sir I'm fine, sir. Hi, Mark. Hi. Great to have you with us, uh, Odilon. So uh, you've got a story about um, your favorite teacher, I believe, in high school. Yes, sir. She is uh, my general biology teacher. Her name is Miss Teresa. She is, she is very pretty, very smart. <laughs> All right. And she is so engaging and inspiring, and she teaches... Biological, biological principles in very clear, and you know, she's very approachable. She really uh, inspired me to be a uh, to pursue a career in 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 biology and zoology. Actually, really, so uh, she was the one that pointed you in the direction of of your career. I believe now you're an entomologist. Uh, what does one of those do? Well, I'm as an entomo- I'm a public health entomologist. I engage in insects. And related arthropods in, in uh, what, which are public health pests. Insects. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. Is there's plenty well, of those. Well, if you need if you need an insect expert on the line, you know whom to call. <laughs> wow! So you know everything about insects. That's your expertise. That's my line of expertise. It's insect taxonomy, insect biology, and also I'm also an insecticide toxicologist. I've never met anyone oh, like no, this. No, me neither. <laughs> I, I mean, so tell me your day-to-day job. You, you know, you know all about insects. That's your thing. What What do you actually do? Um, you you uh, know, to put your skill into practice. I I support the public health pest control people here in the in the UAE and also in the region. Yeah, I do training for public health pest control technicians, supervisors, and managers, and then also help in the uh, pesticide chemical industry here in the UAE. Well, your teacher did a great job with wow. you, didn't you? That's quite yes, a specific indeed. job. Very specific, because I, I make sure that you beautiful people are not infested with pests, and the government and the institutions can always protect you. Do you have a pet insect? Uh, before, actually, I did not have a pet insect, but I have some red dot spiders before. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't fancy having one of those as a pet. I mean, do you have a favorite insect that, uh, you know, you really <laughs> kind of affectionate towards? One of my favorite insects, Mark, is the dragonfly. The dragonfly, oh, that, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Why? Yes. Why? Dragonflies are very ferocious predators. 
from their from their infancy or their young stage, the Nayas they eat uh, mosquito larvae, and up to the adulthood they also hunt mosquito larvae. They're very fast flyers, very agile, and they are so amazing. Wow. You've got a fantastic job, uh, Odilon, and uh, really appreciate you sharing uh, your story with us. Another and, question. Yeah. And Odilon, if I have a spider in my bath, can I call you? <laughs> <laughs> please, Miss Poonam, please, please. You know who to call. I do. Yeah, not Ghostbusters, you call Odilon, don't we? <laughs> yeah, thanks for your call. Once again, the most inspiring teachers um, in your life uh, that you got great memories of that really made, went that extra mile to make uh, a difference and, you know, help shape. I mean, that is just an amazing yeah. story, isn't it? if it wasn't it? for her, she, he wouldn't be who he is now. Yeah, yeah, brilliant story, Odilong. Getting so many nice texts coming along um, today, Re, uh, teachers that really inspired us. We're going to go back to the telephone lines. Say good morning to Manuel. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Yeah, great stuff. So um, thanks so much for uh, spending your time with us today. Um, you've got a story about uh, a teacher that really inspired you. So uh, tell me who it was and, and why they uh, helped you and inspired you, Manuel. So uh, I grew up in Colombia, uh, South America. Yeah. And and when I grew up, I had uh, a slight speech impediment with okay. my pronouncing the S's. So, so I put my tongue and I sounded very funny. Uh, and, uh, and I was bullied and uh, kids made a lot mm. fun of me. Oh, how sad. How uh, sad. So, uh, and, um, and Pedro Luis, Pedro Luis was uh, my teacher for, I guess, I'll be the equivalent of fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. When I was uh, nine. And, uh, and he, he was, you know, he really boosted my confidence up. And uh, and helped me overcome my speech speech impediment with uh, some therapy and some exercises, and uh, and after him, I, I really, at least on that respect of, of my speech, I never look back. Oh wow! So you, be, you became more confident, right? Yeah, and yeah. You- I mean, imagine because I was growing up, and you know, kids are, are tend to be mean, yeah, and I, I very, very funny. And you know what's yeah, yeah, what's yeah. funny because when you sent us a text, Mark was like, "Oh, we should get Manuel up." And when I called you, you were like, "No, no, 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 I'm shy." And literally two minutes later, you went, "Okay, I want to talk." Yeah, and, and we're so happy that you yeah. did as well. Tell me, I mean, was Pedro a speech therapist or was he just a, a general kind of teacher? No, I mean he was he was uh, studying towards getting his uh, his uh, teaching degree, or I guess he was doing some sort of masters or. Something so he had studied, but he his specialty was in the speech therapy. But I think he took upon himself to uh, to research a little bit. Yeah. Uh, back in the day, uh, I'm I'm not a spring chicken anymore, and uh, <laughs> there was no internet at the time. But he took the time to to to, to do some research, some research on, on on finding ways to to do all these exercises and, and vocalization exercises and. And even uh, some singing and things that helped me yeah. get rid of that particular uh, thing that, that I was doing with my tongue and with, with, with the S's. That's a lovely So You can make mm. a movie out of this, couldn't you? What, yeah. what a lovely story that is. And, and what kind of work did you eventually, you know, uh, go into um, once you'd cured your speech impediment? What, how did your life change? Okay, no, I'm, I'm not a DJ like you. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't work in the radio. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm working here for uh, for a multinational oil company. Okay, well, that was yeah. a, great, a lovely story, Manuel. I'm so glad that you got back in touch and uh, you know wanted to share it with uh, with everyone. And congratulations. Um, for doing that that's uh, once again we're talking teachers who've really really inspired us and uh, have made their mark on our life and we've got uh, Roada joining us on the program um Roada how are you I'm good thanks how are you fantastic so tell me your story then about um about a teacher that really made their mark on you and your career uh, this is uh, a bit of an unconventional one. I mean, shout out to Dr. Buddha. She's like the best teacher I've ever had. Uh, I wasn't in kind of uh, conventional school. I was in medical school at this time. Okay. Um, and I was in my kind of internship phase and, you know, doing different rotations. And I was mainly thinking about, like, a career in surgery. That was kind of my primary focus. 
And around that time, like, different people kind of started noticing that I had, like, my abdomen was distended. And they were like, are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? And just know that up until this point, I had no symptoms whatsoever. Um, and then she kind of brought me to the side. We were standing in a lift one day, and she saw my side profile. And she was like, if you're not pregnant, are you sure you don't have something else? Um, and I kind of felt confident in her enough, and I, we had like a really good bond of trust, how good of a teacher she was. Um, and she told me everything about like obstetrics and gynecology, that was a rotation I was doing at the time. So I let her scan me and I let her kind of check everything out, and it turns out I had two giant ovarian cysts measuring 20 centimeters. Wow. And they were, uh, they couldn't tell if they were kind of benign or malignant or not, so like I was 23 at the time and I was like you know like is this it like I had a massive cancer scare and I lived I lived a hundred different lifetimes on that time thankfully after they resected them and they were removed they turned out to be benign thank god alhamdulillah um and she drove all the way from Abu Dhabi to Dubai to visit me in hospital and give me flowers and check up on me. And yeah, she was the first person to notice anything was wrong. And after that, she kind of continued to guide me all throughout. She was very generous with her time. She was always giving advice. She like, was some, well, one of my best teachers. She was always letting me scrub into surgeries. And it led me to change my career from surgery to obstetrics and gynecology. Wow. And I've just been ex- accepted into a specialty program to become an OBGYN future one child. What an amazing story, Roadhouse. That is Quite just, moving. yeah, uh, very moving and very inspiring as well. And we wish you well in your future career as uh, an obstetrician and, and gynecologist. Rhoda, thank you so much for sharing that with us. We've been talking about inspiring teachers. Uh, we're going to go to the line. Sushil joins us on the programme. Good afternoon to you, sir. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you doing today? Very good. So tell me about your inspiring teacher. Uh, all right. Uh, this was uh, in fourth grade. I yeah, fourth grade. Yeah. I just moved into Kuwait with my family, so yeah. uh, I was the new kid in school, and I was a bit shy. Yeah. So uh, Miss Charmaine, she was uh, she was our uh, uh, social studies teacher. So she mm-hmm. uh, really, you know, kind of uh, found out, uh, just got to know about me, and she would always. Uh, uh, you know, challenge me. I would uh, usually when you show up to school, uh, you don't have a fixed spot at the desk. You just, you know, fill up whatever seats. So, mm. You know, whoever comes first, you can sit wherever you want. Yeah. So I always used to try to uh, sit in the back seat, and she would uh, make me come and sit in the front. And you know, so those sort of little things uh, she used. And I was very shy. I wouldn't talk much. So she would make me, uh, you know, just uh, uh, read the uh, lines from the textbooks, mm. and you know, kind of encourage me to. Be a little bit more confident and uh, excellent. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, so <laughs> it's it's not all about numbers and times tables, is it? It's about you know that, that that psychological side of a teacher as well that really makes a big difference. It sounds like it did to you, Sushil. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's not um, you know uh, because uh, the conventional form of teaching uh, is that you know the students who just who are great in math and you know all that uh, they get prioritized. But uh, she was really special in dealing with everyone. She had her own way. Nice one, yeah. Yeah. And are you still in touch? Do you, you know, kind of keep in touch with Charmaine? Uh, I kind of lost touch for a bit. Then I reconnected with her on Facebook uh, after a long while. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, did message her once in a while. But uh, I guess life's very busy, right? You <laughs> So uh, you try to stay in touch uh, once in a while. But still, I'm connected, yeah. Good stuff. So, Sheil, thanks for sharing your story today. Much appreciated. We've got Sir Sai on line number two. Good afternoon, Sai. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Mark? Excellent. Great that you're with us on the show. So, what's your story when it comes to inspiring teachers? Okay, so I had uh, an English teacher in high school. Her name was Mrs. Dawson. Okay. She, um, I wasn't very good at academics, to be honest. I wasn't doing too well, but I was very active. I was very helpful, and I was finding opportunity to run out of class and do stuff. And she really, really liked me. But she saw that after every exam, when I was really down, mm. she would, um, she would see, she would come and talk to me. And I was very strong at English. I was very strong at math. And she would. She convinced me that I don't have to lose heart every time I don't do well in any of the other subjects or don't get good marks. 
because if I enjoyed English and math, I should just work harder and harder on those because I love working hard on those subjects. Yeah, yeah. So she kind of taught you to focus in what you were good at. Yeah, and she tried to tell me that if I'm not good at the other subjects, it doesn't mean that I'm not good as a student. It's just that my interest lies elsewhere and it's okay to focus on something else. So that was a game changer for me because that's not the kind of, you know, understanding I had about being good at academics from home. So hearing it from a teacher who you look up to as a, a role model, to hear something like that, which is so basic and true coming out of her, was really, really a big game changer for me. Wow, and uh, that really um, inspired you. I mean, did you go on to have a career that involved mathematics or English? <laughs> sort of, yes. Sort of, yes. I did uh, a banking job, so that sort of involved yeah. a branching out from math to commerce and accounting and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, of course, I did a lot of customer service in the bank, so I had to use my... <laughs> Your English as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Yes, well- I did, so... It was not more about, it was not about the career that I followed, but it was about what meant to me as a person who's good at something. Yeah. Not just the subject in school, but throughout life, what works is what you're passionate what about. Works for what works one thing that you're good at. Yeah. Sai, great story. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. This is Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye. 103.8. Certainly is on this Tuesday morning. Welcome back to the show. Now, a little bit of travel coming up next. And, of course, not many of us have been travelling for the past few months. So uh, we're going to give you a little treat and take you to the paradise island of uh, Mauritius. Delicious Mauritius, I like to call it. Um, uh, this is ahead of a prize that we're going to be giving away next week on the show, which is a four-day stay at the beautiful Heritage Fair Golf and Wellness Resort in Mauritius. And to tell us all about this wonderful Island. It's a real pleasure to welcome to the show Arvind Bundhan, who's the director of the Mauritius Tourism Promotion Authority. Arvind, a very good morning from Dubai. How are you? Very well. Thank you very much for having me, Mark. It's a real pleasure, sir. And I've got to tell you, I went on the inaugural flight many, many years ago with Emirates to Mauritius and fell in love with your island. It's an absolute beauty spot. So tell me what the weather's like right now in Mauritius. Beautiful, very sunny. Uh, It it always is, I think, beautiful and sunny (laughs) down there. Now, let's get um, a little bit of news on on the latest um, kind of uh, things that are happening in Mauritius. I believe that you're going to be easing your travel protocol from September the 1st for vaccinated people. Tell me more about that, Arvind. As we speak today, we come up with great news because tourism has been at the heart for the past 18 months. And as I speak to you today, vaccination rollout has been extremely successful. As at yesterday, we had vaccinated around 60% of our total adult population. And this has actually allowed us to ease travel protocols. So as from 1st of October, which will be the grand reopening of Mauritius, all vaccinated travelers will be allowed to enter the country subject to a PCR test taken at their last part of embarkation 72 hours prior. Then they can just fly to Mauritius and without any restrictions, start planning their holidays as from day one. That is fantastic news. I mean, let's just also focus on it. If you're if you're unvaccinated, what are the rules um, then, Arvin? Yes, if you're unvaccinated, as unvaccinated travellers, then the protocol is that you have to take a test three to seven days prior to your last point of embarkation. Then, upon reaching Mauritius, you have to you are subject to a 14-day in-room quarantine. In terms of, in terms of non-vaccinated guests, uh, the quarantine uh, protocols are still applicable. But as we noticed today, with the ramping up of vaccination throughout our tourism markets, we noticed that we have a majority of vaccinated travelers mm-hmm. who are booking Mauritius right now. 
as I said, I've got fantastic uh, memories of, of your island. Just, just talk us through some of the best, you know, sites and activities and what people, visitors can get up to uh, on the island of Mauritius. What I would like to convey today is that Mauritius is a small island, but it's not only a beach destination. Unlike our competitors, Mauritius is a melting cauldron of culture, of tradition, of religion, of gastronomy, and uh, and you have we have a population who comes from four different parts of the world. So there's this melting pot of culture, of tradition, of religion, uh, and which really differentiates us from other cup-beating islands. I would say this would be the, the major trump card that we have. Secondly, today, as you know, safety is the new luxury in travel. Yeah. Mauritius has been uh, nominated by several international press for its very good management of the pandemic. Actually, uh, Mauritius has been one example whereby you know, when, when people were not vaccinated, we had the most stringent uh, measures. But right now, with the vaccination rollout, which has been successful, there has been a lot of improvement as we open up the country. Now, um, of course, next week, we're going to be giving away an absolutely amazing prize here on Dubai I-103.8 for someone to come along and visit your beautiful country. Just tell me a little bit about this fantastic prize that's uh, going to be happening next week here in Dubai. Absolutely. Uh, we, are, we are very proud to associate ourselves with, herit- with Heritage Resorts, and, uh, which is situated in Belong. Belom is a little bit uh, one of the untouched parts of Mauritius and uh, which still portrays very beautiful landscape. And on top of that, they've got a fantastic golf course. They are on the verge of opening a a second golf course. And it's the southern coast of Mauritius, which is, uh, to me, one of the most beautiful and one of the most picturesque coasts of the island. And in terms of in terms of hotelry, in terms of gastronomy, I think the guests, it's a real treat for the guests. I'm sure it is, of course, um, the Heritage Le Telefair Golf and Wellness Resort. You're going to be staying for four nights in a garden suite, including breakfast and dinner. This is for two adults that uh, we're going to be hopefully winning next week on the show. We've had a message come in from one of our listeners. Sanjay says, does Mauritius um, still open for cosmetic procedures like uh, hair micro replacements and health spas? Um, Tell me a, a bit about that, Arvind. Of course, uh, as I as I told you right from the beginning, we are not just a beach destination. There are several segments that have been developed over the past years, and medical tourism is one of them. Uh, Mauritius is known for these uh, for these treatments, and these treatments are still possible. And as from October first, uh, if Sandra is vaccinated, he is more than welcome to contact any of these operators and and avail of these services. I'll tell you, I said I've got fantastic memories of Mauritius. One of them was um, standing in a sugarcane um, <laughs> field and uh, kind of, you know, going on uh, tourist um, different trips. I mean, what's available once people arrive there? You said it's not just a beach destination. There's a lot more that you can do in Mauritius. Absolutely. You know, everybody is right now, everybody is talking about the road, to, the path to sustainability. And I would like to point out that Mauritius has paved its way towards sustainability a few years back by the measures that have been uh, put in place. And on top of that, the interiors of Mauritius are extremely beautiful. You've got very lush interiors, you've got waterfalls, you've got cascades, you've got uh, as from October, I mean, whereby people can can also enjoy the, the, the inner parts of Mauritius, the natural landscape. Well, congratulations on uh, your reopening uh, coming up uh, 1st of October there. That's uh, once again Arvind Bundhan, the director of the Mauritius Tourism Promotion Authority. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you, Mark. All the best to you. So uh, there we have it. Make sure you're listening next week for that incredible prize. It could be you that's going to be flying off to Mauritius. 
This is Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye, 103.8. Yeah, welcome back to the show, and uh, let me tell you, Global Village, definitely one of my favourite destinations in Dubai. I remember in the 25th season buying an absolutely beautiful chess set from uh, Global Village, and I play often, I can tell you. Now, we're on the verge of the 26th season, and to find out what we can expect at uh, Global Village this year, we've got Jackie Ellenby joining us, the Executive Director of Marketing and Events at Global Village. Jackie, good to hear from you and good to see you. How are you? Very good. Good afternoon, Mark. Great to see you. Yeah, real pleasure to have you on the show. So when are we going to be opening up for our 26th season? Well, uh, we are opening up on the 26th of October. We made it so that nobody can possibly forget 26th (laughs) season, 26th of October. (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. Um, So uh, tell me what we can expect this time around. Of course, you always get bigger and better and introduce new things. So what's going to be on the Global Village agenda for its 26th season? Well, it's such an exciting year, Mark, this year for for globally, for the country, for for Dubai. So we're very excited to be part of all those celebrations. And we have a lot of new stuff starting with one of your favourites. I know that one of your favourites, apart from the Russian Pavilion, is the floating market. And we are moving the floating market. It is growing. So we're moving it to the main lake, uh, the the Global Village Lake. It's going to have more space um, and it's going to have a brand new uh, fire and water dragon show uh, on the main lake. So you'll be able to have your dishes your asian dishes and watch this fantastic new show um so that's very uh uh, that's a a new thing yeah that Um, that is super exciting and and as you said i'm a big fan of the floating market and to have it expand out onto the main lake is just going to be something spectacular the food oh the the thai cuisine um for me uh, one of the highlights of global village but that's not all you've got something called the fire fountain what's this all about well, that is the, the the fire and fountain show. We've we've had a fire and fountain show for a while now, but this year it's going to be um, a dragon fire and fountain show. So there's going to be a dragon in the middle of the lake, um, and the floating market will overlook that. So that mm. will be uh, a beautiful thing to watch whilst you're eating all your Asian delicacies. But of course, we've now left a gap. So. Uh, in the space where the floating market used to be, we have a brand new food concept, um, which have you ever heard of the make long railway market or umbrella market? People often call it umbrella market. No, that's a new in, one on me. Where, where, where's it come yeah. from? It's in Thailand. It's a place called make long. And now, our great teams, our creative teams have been inspired by that. And we've created a railway market um, and it's food, but it's all desserts. So ice creams and uh, pastries and baked goods and uh, um, from all over the world uh, in this incredible setting, which is a railway market. So that would be amazing. That's where I'm going to spend most of the season, I think. (laughs) All right. So a couple of things there. Um, You've also got dessert destination as well for uh, people that have got a bit of a sweet tooth. Yeah, well, that is the railway market, the Maitlong railway market. That will be where everyone with a sweet tooth is going to be heading for the incredible, incredible desserts. Now, um, in terms of entertainment, you've always got great shows to keep uh, your visitors happy. What's uh, in store for us in uh, this 26th season? Well, a lot of the entertainment is still under wraps. Uh, We are going to be announcing uh, as we go. But there is one uh, spectacular uh, piece of information that I can give you, which was the stunt show. The stunt show this year is going to be absolutely awesome um, because we are introducing for the first time ever water. So we will have extreme water stunts, including jet ski and flyboard and high dive. Um, It's called Harbour Force, and I think it's going to be just awesome. So we're really, really thrilled to uh, bring a new team in um, uh, with some of our old favourites. They won a lot of records last year, so uh, a lot of the guys are coming back, and we've got some brand new guys that are uh, water-based stuntmen. Yeah, a message coming in from Elisa. Uh, I mean, um, yeah, how does Global Village align with uh, the Expo Entertainment and food options as well? I mean, I'm sure a lot of visitors coming for Expo are going to be heading uh, through your doors. 
We're working really closely with Expo. We're really, really, really uh, thrilled that uh, Expo is going to be here this year, and we're we're hoping to get a lot more tourists to Dubai. Um, it's been, you know, a bit of a difficult year for a lot of the the tourism industry. So uh, Expo, I think, is just going to be a fantastic breath of fresh air, um, and a lot of the stuff they've got coming up is just going to be fantastic and and we're we're very complementary we're very very different uh different theming and we're very yeah. very complementary so we're we're really um really happy to work with them and we're working very closely with them and in fact this year um if you buy one of our vip packs which will be on sale this coming saturday um you will actually get a season pass or a multi-day tickets to expo we're giving All those right. away as part of our package nice. Nice. Um, so, uh, I mean, last year in last uh, the 25th season, um, you certainly did a great job in keeping everyone safe and the distancing. And uh, what, what's it going to be like in the 26th? Are you continuing with that? Well, we're working really closely with the authorities, of course, um, and we're making sure that we we keep up. I don't, I don't know whether you know, but we are still the only park in the world to have the um, – um, to have a five-star rating with the British Safety Council. Okay. Um, so we we have a very, very strong uh, reputation now uh, in the industry and we intend to uh, keep our, our very um, strong health and safety um, reputation and record and we will be working very closely with everyone to make sure that we're keeping our teams and uh, and all of our guests safe for sure. Amazing. As will so, <laughs> once again, 26th of October is um, the opening day. And um, if we want to kind of find out more, book our tickets and, uh, you know, get ready for this season, where do we need to head to, Jackie? Um, definitely head to globalvillage.ae, globalvillage.ae, um, and make sure that you register for the VIP packs. It's really the best way of experiencing Global Village. There's loads of benefits. It's fantastic value. Um, you get um, VIP parking, VIP entry for you and all your friends and family. Um, there's a limited number of packs. We actually went on pre-sale uh, last Saturday. We opened a certain number uh, for pre-booking. Um, everything sold out in 40 minutes. So this Saturday is the big on-sale. Right. So recommend that everybody registers up front. So globalvillage.a to get all the information about that. Yeah, and, and of course, we've not even mentioned the pavilions yet, which is, you know, where I got my fabulous chess set. I mean, I'm sure um you know they're going to be decked out with some fantastic bargains as well absolutely and you'll be happy to know the russian pavilion will be back this year <laughs> um and we've got a new pavilion this year iraq so that'll be really interesting i can't wait to see that brilliant jackie always a pleasure to have you uh, on the show so keep that day in there the 26th of october the opening of the 26th season of the global village this is Dubai I 103.8. You're listening to Lunch with Lloyd. Yeah, welcome back into the show. Now, um, imagine doing a one-man theatre show, which means not only are you going to be acting in it, you're going to be directing yourself as well. Uh, I can tell you, Artistic Director at The Junction, Gautam Guenka, joins us on the show next. He's doing just that, starring and directing in his very own play, Every Brilliant Thing. Gautam, good afternoon. Hey, Mark. Good afternoon. How are you? Very, very good, sir. Um, so, tell me, um, this. Tell me about this play, the one-man show. What's it all about? <laughs> well, uh, Mark, it is a one-man show, and it is the funniest play that you're going to see on suicide. So, it is about a young boy who is uh, writing a list as his mother first attempts uh, suicide, and he starts making a list as a gift to her telling about every brilliant thing that exists in the world. And as the boy grows, the list grows as well, and it evolves. And there's some very poignant points that it makes while also looking at a very serious topic and doing so in a manner that doesn't trivialize it. Yeah. Um, interesting concept. I mean, why did you want to, you know, to make, to make it a one-man show? Well, that's the way it was written. Um, it is written as a one-man show, but, you know, there's a lot of interaction with the audience. Yeah. So, you know, the audience plays a key role in this. They play various roles. I uh, bring them onto stage. They talk to us. So there is a lot of interaction. 
Okay, so um, the audience is a big part of it. I mean, while you've been actually rehearsing and uh, and putting it all together, have you been getting feedback maybe from family members and you know friends uh, about your performance? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I've been blessed to have a four people team, um, you know, who are working uh, tirelessly around the clock, watching, giving feedback, playing the various audience members. Uh, you know, there's live music involved, so you know, yeah, they kind of work with that as well. So. I mean, was it easier or more difficult uh, being in a one-man play? I mean, you know, you've directed a lot of great stuff here in, in Dubai, Gautam. Um, you know, how was this experience for you? This was quite a different one. It was both easy and difficult. So it was easy because I didn't have to wait for rehearsals. I could rehearse anywhere <laughs> at any different point in time. Yeah. You know, it, it was much easier from a rehearsal standpoint. It was difficult because you've got to really motivate yourself, right? I mean... You gotta get that critical feedback in. You gotta have that eye, for, and uh, the feedback that comes in from your team has to be the right type of feedback that comes in. So there's nobody else on stage, and if you you know mess your lines up, yeah. then you gotta really cover up. So there's some difficult aspects of it. <laughs> you can't lie. Bl- easy in part. You can't blame anybody else, Gautam, can you? It's, no, it's you all can't. down to you. No, you can't. <laughs> um, so tell me about the duration of the play, and um, you know how long it how long it lasts. Well, it lasts between 70 to 90 minutes. Um, and so it is no more than uh, 90 minutes at max. Uh, it's, a, it's a quick, tight script um, and quite an interactive one. Who wrote the script? Um, so it's been written by uh, Johnny McMillan and uh, Donahoe. Okay. And, uh, you know, what really attracted you to it? I think it speaks about mental health, uh, you know, Mark, yeah. at the point where all of us are dealing with a lot of um, repressed, a lot of pent-up things that have mm. that we all have experienced over the last year and a half, you know, yeah. with the pandemic going on. Um, you know, not necessarily suicide, but definitely aspects of mental health that come out in the play. And I think it looks at it in a, in a very simplistic manner um, and tries to have a conversation with the people who are viewing it. So, that really attracted me to it, the simplicity of the script, the ease with which it talks about difficult topics. Mm. Have you enjoyed, you know, the, 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 the rehearsal process and how much are you looking forward to getting this audience uh, involved <laughs> in it? <laughs> well, I, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I've discovered uh, things about myself as an actor, which, you know, I'm yeah. usually, I'm, I'm off the stage, I'm in the wings, I'm in the green group <laughs> yeah. or I'm in the tech booth. But I've enjoyed it as an actor, the whole process of the rehearsal. I've learned things about myself. And uh, I'm really looking forward to opening night. I think it'll be great. I think uh, there'll be a lot of uh, things that the audience can look forward to in terms of, uh, you know, having a light uh, conversation about some serious things. I'm sure a lot of uh, your peers as well are going to be watching this, a lot of fellow actors and and directors. Does that put a bit more pressure on you, Golden? (laughs) Not, not so much. Not, not after. Look, after twenty years, not so much. But yeah. uh, you know, there's always that little bit of a butterfly in your stomach, and I think that's a good thing before you go on stage. Yeah. Having that butterfly in your stomach, uh, you know, being a a bit on the on the edge, because otherwise, you know, you're overconfident, and you know, I really believe that. Uh, that butterfly really helps. It's going to be a little bit different than your uh, Reservoir Dogs outing, isn't it? It is. Uh, <laughs> that's what dogs was an all and all out action. Yeah. You know, we were we were not saving people there, let's put it that yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> so um tell me, dates, timings, tickets, where can we come and see this? Absolutely. So the play opens this Thursday, it runs Thursday, Friday, Saturday, which is the second, third and fourth of September. Uh runs at the junction in Al Sarkal Avenue. Uh tickets are available at Book My Show, uh, also available at the venue. Um and it's every evening at seven thirty PM. Amazing. Well, you've got my admiration, Galton, for, you know, giving, giving that um, a, a run out, a one-man show. And uh, I'm sure the audiences are going to be absolutely loving it. That's, once again, Galton Gwenka. He's uh, going to be starring in every brilliant thing this coming weekend. Well worth a watch. This is Lunch with Lloyd. On Dubai Eye 103.8.
Welcome back to the show. And uh, if there's ever a day, as I said, to write your memoir, uh, today is the day. It's International Memoir Day. Now, joining us next is Mona Al-Hebsi. He's, uh, she's a multi-award winning Emirati hotelier, thought leader, coach and author. Uh, is known as a pioneer as well in the hospitality industry right here in the UAE. Now, she's written her own memoir called Beat the Odds. And as it's memoir day today, we thought we'd better get her on the show. We'll say good afternoon to Mona. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you, Mark? Very good, and a real pleasure to have you on the show. So, first of all, tell me uh, why you wanted to write your own memoir, Beat the Odds. Okay, so uh, as you know, people love stories uh, that have uh, heroes or uh, personalities that go through some difficulties first and then overcome those difficulties and achieve success, achieve uh, winning. So they always long to have these uh, happy endings, as you know. Yeah. Uh, because stories also can, um, it's more easy for people to relate to it. So, for example, if you tell someone, oh, you should go after your dreams and believe in yourself and do this and do that, it will be less likely, you know, um, realistic than when it, you, you say to someone, oh, let me tell you how I've done it. And you give the person the easy steps to get started. So I think that's why it was important for me. Yeah, so you, you kind of paved the way um, for, for readers of your memoir to maybe follow in your footsteps. Now, wh- what have you actually shared in the book and uh, what will we learn ab- about you if we read your memoir, Beat the Odds? Yeah, so uh, the book uh, Beat the Odds uh, has my career story and how I have started in a field. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about... Uh, Back in 2005, um, where I started uh, considering a career path, which was uh, very unfavorable at that time. And I was one of the pioneers. I'm talking about the hospitality industry, making a career path in the hotel industry. So that was something very interesting and uh, not very popular at that point. Um, I guess uh, the whole story in the book was about the perception uh, of people about this industry and then how I um, uh, shared with them my struggles, my ups and downs, my disappointments uh, that preceded um, that outstanding uh, success that I achieved later on. Um, and uh, I gained that after so much perseverance, hard work and, um, you know, um, you know, a lot of um, things that I've done. So, Mona, can I help you? Uh, can I help you? Can yeah. I ask you? <laughs> you can help me, actually. You're a shop assistant today. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You, when you, you said that, you know, um, the career itself wasn't looked on as, you know, the proper thing to do. Did you have support mm-hmm. when you wanted to do this around family and friends? Because I'm from, obviously, an Indian culture, and when I wanted to move into the media, it wasn't a favourable, yeah. uh, you know, mm-hmm. a career for me either. No, actually, this is the point, because uh, I was not having uh, uh, support at that point, and it was not very welcome, the idea that, oh, I venture into uh, a field which is uh, not very common. And also, it's looked at very down to have a woman working in a hotel, yeah. you know, maybe in your culture as well. So, yeah, it was not very support, so supportive environment. So that's why the book will be very interesting to see, oh, what did I go through? How did I use the thing? Uh, what made me take that first step uh, and all those kind of things? And then what happened later on in my career? Perfect title, Beat the Odds, for sure. Now, I, I know your first role was uh, probably at the most prestigious hotel in Dubai. That's the Burj Al Arab. Mm-hmm. What was your experience yep. like working there? Well, that's, you know, whenever I remember this experience, I remember my first time when I've gone for a job interview and it was um, very astonishing to walk down, you know, inside with Burj Al Arab. <laughs> but I, I can remember that very first experience. So when I reached the welcome gate, uh, there was a security guard who looked at me and he said, yes, how can I help you? So I said, uh, well, I came for my job interview and he looked at me very uh, surprisingly and he said, you will work here? I said, yes, why not? I came for an interview. He said, no, 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 you, you are local. You don't need a job. You stay at home. Keep wow, for us. really? It was, wow, how mean, you know, and the first, the very first experience, I said, oh, my God. So I just smiled at him and uh, went for the interview, and eventually, alhamdulillah, I got the job. I managed to get the job, and, you know, from there, it was all history. So, so wh- wh- where did you work in the hotel? What, co- what kind of department were you in? So, so I started uh, in the training department. Uh, I was actually uh, first of all doing all the admin work of the training department of the hotel. But then I got promoted and started training the staff on the seven-star service and all. And from there, my career really picked up and it was uh, really amazing.
So you must have some juicy, unique, interesting stories working in the hotel industry. Can you share any with us? Yes, sure. I have so many. As you know, in a hotel, there is no two days are the same. So I can share one of the stories that I consider like really interesting for people to hear. So when I used to work in uh, in the hotel and HR department, obviously part of my work used to be uh, to interview people, to do localization and uh, mm-hmm. bring in the local talent, yeah. which was not very, as I told you, popular. So I remember sitting with these kind of girls, uh, like my culture, the Emirati girls, and talking to them about the hotel, showing them around and telling them how exciting the working environment is here. So they were very, very interested to join, but then they told me, uh, oh, we're we really interested to join, but I don't think uh, my parents will uh, will allow us. I said, why? What's wrong? See, I'm working here. She said, well, uh, I don't want to wear a skirt and work and work in the reception or serve at school. So I said, what? No, do you see me doing this? So then, like, most of the girls, they used to come and have this kind of concerns because the perception was so different. Um, and uh, a lot of other girls used to come with their their parents, like for their fathers or mm. brothers, and they used to sit in the interview actually and, and listen to our time to talk. So it was very interesting actually. So, are a lot of these stories in your book, Beat the Odds, uh, these humorous stories? Sure, sure, sure. I shared a lot of experiences in the book. Now, have you got any tips for people um, who want to chase their dreams uh, but don't know where to start? Well, see, I, I, I think uh, all of us, when we start, we, we have. We have first to deal with, the, we say it, the internal devil. So it's, it's our own mentality, our own fears, our own perceptions or what we think people will say. So first of all, we need to deal with that. And we need to listen to our internal voice, uh, to our intuition, basically. And I have a full unit in my book talking about how you can trust your intuition and follow it. Yeah, that, and, uh, that, that gut yeah. feeling means everything, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. So I was uh, saying in the book that no one would would know you better than uh, your gut feeling, your own self. So you need to listen to that and trust that. And secondly, once you do that, you need to focus on building your personal and professional brand. Um, I think a lot of people uh, focus too much on working and delivering outcomes and being so much engrossed in the day-to-day world, but they don't really think about uh, building the brand of their professional and expertise because the thing is you need to focus and have this balance on 50-50. So 50-50 delivering the outcomes. The other 50 is building the brand, doing all the promotion, going out there, being social media, meeting people and expanding your network and so on. You're a busy lady. You're a mom too, am I correct? Yes, so, I'm a mom. So, yes. so how do you balance all this out? And, you know, you still sound like you're career-driven as well. Yeah, actually, uh, for me, uh, after I have my, had my first uh, son, he will be uh, two years and one month, actually. So it was very, very difficult for me to, you know, to, to, uh, to manage everything. But uh, for me... I'm, I'm trying to find time, uh, so I have someone to take uh, care of the baby while I'm doing all my uh, projects, all my uh, future plans. So I try to be uh, to give everything its time. So I think the balance is the the word basically. Uh, finally, where can we actually get this book, and where can people follow you, uh, Mona? Yeah, so basically I'm uh, on all social media channels. Uh, LinkedIn is uh, like Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So you can just type Mona Al-Hipsi and uh, they can go to my account. Also, the book is available in uh, major stores like in Kenya, Dubai Mall, and it's online in Amazon and different places. So they can always search it and buy it if they're interested. And are you going to be reading a memoir today? Uh, well, I was, or are you, uh, you going to write a brand new one with <laughs> yeah. some more hotel secrets? <laughs> well, I will. I will have. I have other memoirs about my uh, parenthood, uh, parenthood experience because that I find, found it very interesting. So I think another one will come very soon. Amazing, Mona! Absolutely brilliant talking to you, and uh, all the best uh, for your future career as well. That's Mona Al Hebsi, and uh, yeah, International Memoir Day. So uh, go and get, grab yourself a my, memoir. Mine might be one. about ten pages, and that's it. Oh, I'm not so sure about it. I think it was a be, um, you know, like a, 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 a full, feature film. Be several volumes worth, <laughs> wouldn't that?